This is made possible by Dustin Campbell, O Them Bones, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. Vice President. It's a job that's been compared to such lofty ideas as being kept in a dark room and piled with manure. Conversely, it's also been called a warm bucket of piss. Either way, there can only be one. Number two. President Trump would share something else with Richard Nixon should he win the White House in 2024. He would, most likely, have two vice presidents. Of course, Nixon was a vice president before he became president, but he also resigned like a little jit before he even got impeached once. I'd like old Donnie two times. Still, with the primary field still shaping up, it's time to review the field of eligible vice presidential candidates for the prospective once and future president, Donald John Trump. Because there's really not a lot else to talk about. I'm sorry. There's just not. I'm not going to talk about Tucker Carlson for an hour. Let's get to the list. My name is Justin Robert Young, and this is Politics, Politics, Politics. It was back in 2016 when Donald Trump made his first pick for vice president. When he was in the running, there was there was a big question in exactly which way that he would go. Obviously, the candidate uh, was out of nowhere. His candidacy has already kind of gone off the rails. This was in the midst of the Paul Manafort era of Donald Trump running for president. And so there, there was just a lot going on. Now, it is a little bit lost in the sauce, but... In hindsight, Donald Trump made a very savvy vice presidential pick in Mike Pence. Number one, he came with a lot of bona fides. In fact, before a flap over a business denying a gay customer, Mike Pence was kind of on the short list to be somebody that would make noise in 2016. That got, you know, all riled up and landed him in the scratch and dent bin. So as Trump made his way through the primaries, he found himself up against one specific Republican faction, one that was powering the last of his opposition, Ted Cruz, and that is evangelicals. Let's remember that Trump did not win Iowa in 2016. He lost to Ted Cruz. That's because evangelicals in Iowa have an outsized effect on that caucus on the Republican side. On the Democratic side, it's actually a good caucus state, but we won't know because Joe Biden killed it because he was pissed off that Iowa killed his campaign twice and possibly a third time before he killed Bernie Sanders' campaign. Anyway, I digress. Trump picking Pence mattered. It shored up the evangelical vote and made those voters believe that he wasn't just a New York City Bible villain. 
So the question then becomes, and we will begin with this, would Donald Trump ever pick Mike Pence again? No, is going to be my answer there. Number one, I don't think that Mike Pence would take it. He has been on that ride, and at this point, he is going to see whether or not he can be Trump, not be next to Trump. And, and this is going to come up a lot, loyalty seems like it matters more to Trump now than it did in 2016. Not that he hasn't always been a loyalty freak, but he now seems like he only trusts the people that drafted into politics in his slipstream. Anybody that says that they are friendly Republican operatives and they are there to help seem to be somebody that Trump casts with a suspicious eye. The Club for Growth types, the Chamber of Commerce types, the Paul Ryan types, the Mitch McConnell types, and yes, even his own vice president, Mike Pence. They are liabilities. They are detritus that you pick up on your way on top of the mountain. So, with that being said, I am going to read for you the next category here. I kind of call these guys the whack pack. Not, not because they're wacky, although some of them obviously are, but because they are in the coterie of Donald Trump, or you could see them being in the coterie of Donald Trump. Now, some of these are going to be a little wacky, all right? Some of these are going to be a little off the map, but if one of them hits, then you could say you heard it here first. Let's begin with somebody for whom has been more on Donald Trump's side than anybody I can think of consistently. All right. Donald Trump's kids are not at his side as much as Mike Lindell, the My Pillow guy. And a man that nobody's ever heard of because he's very shy on television, hates putting out television commercials. He's the greatest buyer of television ads in history. Mike Lindell, Mike. I have seen Mike Lindell, the My Pillow guy, at every Trump rally that I have covered. I have seen Mike Lindell, the My Pillow guy, risk his company because he continues to want to talk about Dominion voting systems. I have seen Mike Lindell as omnipresent as anyone can advancing not only the agenda of Donald Trump, but also the belief that he did not lose in 2020. Mike Lindell loves Donald Trump more than he loves his business and probably many other things. That being said, I don't think even Rudy Giuliani would endorse Mike Lindell being the, the, the second in command, one heartbeat away from the presidency. We're going to get to some of the reasons why that would be the case in a second, but that's a no right now. I'm just listing the name. How about this one? Libs of TikTok. I got in invitations, you know, to, to help to help people understand how to how to expose the left and, and yes. how to fight it. And, you know, being anonymous was sort of keeping me um, really, I was restrained from, from doing all those things. And I, I'm ready to do that. Not only has Raya Chayek, the now unmasked 
libs of TikTok, been an animating force in the culture wars since, you know, the last few years. But she is somebody that very much has an axe to grind. She is very much somebody out of Donald Trump's own heart. If there is no news that has your name in the headline, then make the news that has your name in the headline. She realized very quickly that there is a tremendous benefit in finding the fringes of liberalism and broadcasting them as loudly as you can. More than that, and this is something that I do think in terms of a political utility is very useful. She's good at finding things that will inflame the base. She is not just in the culture war. She is feeding the engine of the culture war. All this conversation about drag queens can really be pointed back to libs of TikTok. She is somebody that has become not only a clearinghouse for information, but also the propaganda minister there. She has been attacked by the press. This is something that would make her a very sympathetic figure. But is somebody that literally just revealed her name and face on the television ready to enter the actual game of politics? Probably not. So while I'm sure a Trump nomination would come with the support of libs of TikTok, I don't think so. Here's another name that pretty much fits into that. Candace Owens. So then you must agree that Obama was not focusing whatsoever on the issues that were affecting black America if you don't think that Trump is right now, because the numbers are in and blacks are doing better under his administration. Now, like libs of TikTok, Candace is a woman. Something that you will hear a lot about. And this is because Donald Trump seems to have indicated that he wants to have a woman on this ticket. Now, this is part, partially strategic and partially not. Number one, Trump is going to need to shore up the suburbs. This is something that we have not seen since 2020, but he lost in 2020, uh, you know, aside from the Dominion voting systems, because people that would otherwise vote Republican in the suburbs did not believe in Donald Trump. There is an electoral belief that women have an outsized uh, strength in their household in the suburbs. So having a woman on the ticket would be a material benefit. But beyond that, having a black woman on the ticket might be even better. And so the Daily Wire host would probably be the most outspoken and knife fighty person in that particular demographic list that you could think of. I don't think she's going to do it. All these. All right. I don't think any of these people are going to happen. It's not until the very end that I think that some of these are, are even really in play. So let's blast through them. Sarah Palin. Are you ready for a commander in chief? You ready for a commander in chief who will let our warriors do their job and go kick ISIS ass? The original Trump. She's got a history in politics, although over her last several races, it ain't exactly a great history in politics. But Trump and Palin are very much tied together. Trump endorsed her immediately as a payback for Palin endorsing Trump almost immediately when he ran in 2016. 
Could you dust off that old magic of this list? I honestly think she's the most likely. Let's get a little silly here. If Trump does want to play some identity politics with the vice presidential situation, can I interest you in a George Santos? I went to two public high schools. I did a couple of months in a private school. And Where? then I attained a GED um, from New York City. Do you wish to name the schools? Wait, 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 wait. I know you're getting mad. You're getting mad. No, no. Think about it for a second. Think about it for a second. Self-made man. Is Donald Trump somebody who allegedly used to call newspapers as his own publicist really going to look scancy pants at a bit of a fabulist in George Santos? And if it's identity politics and you're not going to have a woman, maybe a gay guy. Remember, Donald Trump was the one who greenlit Peter Thiel speaking at the Republican National Convention. All right. How about this? Close to home. Ivanka Trump. My father is an amazing man. He is a great man. And he will be an unbelievable president. So I promise. Now, it was not too long ago that a lot of people were saying that Ivanka Trump was not slotting into the role of first daughter, but rather the adult daughter of Donald Trump was slotting into the first lady spot. And so if you wanted to humanize Trump, in fact, if you want to humanize any politician, you put their kids next to them. Could Ivanka do that? This is likely a no because Ivanka and Jared have kind of distanced themselves from the Trump campaign, at least for now. If it looks like it's going well, I wouldn't bet against them sidling on up next to him. How about this one? An original Trump backer. Somebody for whom has been one of Trump's toughest critics most recently. But would it shock you if Donald Trump had a big event and he listed exactly how, within his first 100 days, he would build a wall on the southern border of the United States and right next to him would be Ann Coulter. Somebody for whom has drugged Trump through the mud for not fulfilling his promise back in 2016. The former Trumpers should should keep Donald Trump awake at night. We're the ones who didn't care about the Access Hollywood tape. He had absolute rock solid locked us in on support because we thought we wouldn't be betrayed. Finally, finally. He could sell Ivanka Trump merchandise from the Oval Office if he would just build the wall. Coulter pulls the pin on something that has always been something that is, is in the ether that she would run, but does it now because now might be the last and best chance to do what she has said is absolutely necessary for the sanctity of America, build a wall. And while we're on the media tip, how about Laura Ingram? 
Tomorrow, over 350 papers organized by the Boston Globe will print coordinated editorials to denounce the president for his fake news comments and media trash talk. Sounds like one of the great political messaging machines in the entire world, if you ask me. Look, she's still going to be running third on Fox, next to Sean Hannity and next to Tucker Carlson. What, honestly, would be the problem of her leaving that job, running for uh, a vice president, and then coming back to media afterward? She could really write her own check. And hell, maybe they win. And maybe she's the first female president. You can't tell me there's nowhere in Laura Ingram's diary that doesn't at least once say, I'm going to be the first female president. All right, all right, all right, all right. Enough with that, enough with that, enough with that. Those are all MAGA people. So now we're going to go into a world where we don't, really have a roadmap to get from here to there. Donald Trump, again, has become a little bit more paranoid after everything that happened in 2020. He is very burnt by the fact that the establishment wing of the Republicans turned against him. So I don't exactly know how this next category would come to be, except for this. If Donald Trump were to pick an establishment vice president, it would be with the understanding that he absolutely can't bring MAGA to the suburbs. He's got to put a little establishment polish on it for the suburbs to, to take it down. The, 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 the establishment is the spoonful of sugar that makes the MAGA sin go down, okay? And let's assume that he really, really wants to win. He is a winner. So now it's not the evangelicals he has to please. It's the establishment. So two names I'm going to read for you. Number one, Nikki Haley. You know, when women are referred to as ambitious, it's never in a positive light. And so when people refer to it as ambitious, I've heard that all my life. She's so ambitious. No, I'm passionate. I love what I do. I throw myself into it. So I prefer badass. Now, Nikki Haley has already announced that she's running. She is running. But something very interesting happened. Nikki Haley said that there should be cognitive tests for anybody over the age of 75. Donald Trump will be over the age of 75, is over the age of 75. And Donald Trump agreed with her. Donald Trump said, yeah, I'd love to take a cognitive test. We should take a cognitive test. You know, then there's all those rumors. But I don't need to go into it. Nikki Haley, possibility, possibility. Nikki Haley can talk to all those people out there in the burbs that he can't talk to. And a woman. But how about this? Tim Scott. Well, Mr. President, during one of those conversations that we had, we talked about ways to improve distressed communities throughout this country. The payoff? Scott's pet project, the billion and a half dollar Investing in Opportunity Act, found its way into the president's tax overhaul. Tim Scott. Tim Scott. Both of these two are from South Carolina, by the way. Tim Scott's a senator. So 
What if Donald Trump made the offer to one of the fastest rising power players in the establishment Senate? What if he made that man vice president? What if now, especially in a closely divided Senate, Tim Scott was just as powerful and knew just as many people in the Senate as Mitch McConnell? Oh, it means trusting another establishment guy. But if Donald Trump is hell-bent on showing exactly who's in charge, well, having one of their own be the one to stab the old crow, that would certainly be something. We got a couple more lists here that I want to spend time on. Three different categories. The Democrats, the Knife Fighters, and the Finger Poke. Of doom. All that coming up after the break. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Politics, Politics, Politics program. If you would like to support this show, you can do so at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. One dollar a week. Gets you an ad-free feed. $3 a week gets you two bonus episodes each and every week. And the $10 tier gets your name read at the end of the show. But we also have for you this update. White House spokesperson Andrew Bates had the following to say, quote, we agree with the chief of Capitol Police and the wide range of bipartisan lawmakers who have condemned this false depiction of the unprecedented violent attack on our Constitution and the rule of law, which cost police officers their lives. We also agree with what Fox News's own attorneys and executive have now repeatedly stressed in multiple courts of law that Tucker Carlson is not credible. This comes after the second night of Tucker Carlson airing footage that was given to him by Kevin McCarthy, showing heretofore unseen angles of the January 6th attack. I said this on Wednesday. I will say it again. I think that the stuff he is showing, whether or not you agree with his narrative, is valuable. And my only real issue with McCarthy McCarthy releasing it is that I would like for him to release it to as many people as possible as soon as possible. I think that there should be a sign-up sheet that everybody can go sign up for if they want to look at whatever they want. This, If this is, as the Biden administration called it today, or, or, or called it on Wednesday, an unprecedented violent attack on our Constitution and the rule of law, then we should know as much as possible about it. Meanwhile, Trump administration CDC director Robert Redfield told a congressional committee on Wednesday that his former colleague Anthony Fauci and former National Institute of Health director Francis Collins froze him out of discussions on COVID-19's origins. The accusation came during a politically charged hearing Wednesday on the House Oversight and Accountability Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Pandemic and stoked Republicans' claims that Fauci in early 2020 promoted the view that an infected animal spread the virus to humans 
Republicans to divert attention from the research that the United States had sponsored at China's Wuhan Institute of Virology. You know, at, at some point, there's going to be a flip here, I suspect. I do suspect that at some point, Anthony Fauci is going to say, well, obviously, we sponsored this research. <laughs> that, that, that we are we are going to see something that 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 reframes things here. Because I, I do believe that the more you look at this situation, the more it just simply becomes clear that the the Occam's razor solution, or at least the scientifically plausible enough that we should discuss its solution, is that. The Institute for Coronavirus Virology in Wuhan was involved in the release of a coronavirus in Wuhan. But, you know, we'll have to see. Finally, Norfolk Southern CEO Alan Shaw is scheduled to testify in a Senate committee this week about the train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. Federal regulators have opened a special investigation into his company's safety practices. This comes after yet another Norfolk Southern train derailed in Ohio. This one without the kind of hazardous chemicals that were in the first. Look, Norfolk Southern's going to have to eat it on this one. There ain't really two ways about it. At a certain point when things have gotten that big and that loud, well... There's only one place that you need to go. Who's first in line today at the pool of If you would like to support this very show, the only place that you can do it is by heading on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. That's where you can get an ad-free feed of this show. That's where you can get bonus content each and every week. And that, my friends, is where you can get your name read at the end of this program. Thanks to all who do it at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Let's start here. Donald Trump was a Democrat. Donald Trump loves working with Democrats. In fact, if it weren't for the fact that Donald Trump were a money machine for the Democratic Party, I think that Donald Trump would have reached across the aisle on things that don't normally get dealt with a lot more than the average Republican president. And so you got to consider the idea that somebody who either comes from or is tangentially involved with the Democratic Party could be a possibility. I don't think it's a strong one. I do think that there is a multiverse in which this happens. I got two names here for you. Here's the first, Tulsi Gabbard. Now, today's Democratic Party is actively working to undermine our God-given rights and freedoms enshrined in the Constitution. Tulsi Gabbard left the Democratic Party. Tulsi Gabbard hates the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party hates Tulsi Gabbard. The Democratic Party has called Tulsi Gabbard almost everything that they've called Trump. Callow, a Russian agent. And in the last several months, Tulsi Gabbard was out on the road 
doing campaign events in 2022 with Republican candidates. She is somebody that has hosted Tucker Carlson's show in a guest capacity. She is very well known in the Republican base and would be a great mascot to say not only is Joe Biden unfit, but the Democratic Party has become something that you, swing voter and suburban voter, should think twice about. Here's the second one. Mary Ann Williamson. We need a moral and a spiritual awakening in this country, and nothing short of that is adequate to really fundamentally uh, change the patterns of our political dysfunction. There are many things we need to discuss, many things we need to name. We have an economic, an amoral economic system. We need to discuss this. How funny would it be if of all the people running for president in this primaries, the vice president doesn't come from the Republican side, but rather come from the Democratic side. Marianne Williamson is running for president. She will likely be the only Democrat to challenge Joe Biden should he announce his run. She is somebody that is very compelling as an orator. Let's say that. She is somebody that is extraordinarily uh, hard to look away from. But if the point here is that the Democratic Party has become something that you should be afraid of, Marianne Williamson, fresh off of getting run over by the Democratic Party, well... You can do worse than her as an eyewitness. In all of the discussion of Donald Trump's prospective vice presidents, there are three names that come up the most. There are currently no odds on who a Trump vice president would be, but I would suspect that these three would likely be the top three when those markets are created. Here's the first. Kirstie Nome of North Dakota. Well, we've also, I've done an executive order that has said that we won't do state contracts and telecommunications companies will not do business in South Dakota that uh, affiliate themselves with China as well. So we've been aggressive on fighting this threat that President Biden will not address. She is somebody that has been a hard Trump backer. She has been a bomb thrower at Ron DeSantis, saying that she ran her state better than he ran his state in Florida. And she has been somebody that is compelling in that Sarah Palin before we saw what Sarah Palin was on the main stage kind of compelling. But unfortunately, she is next to two other women that are better at the things she's good at than she is. And they are on stages a lot bigger than North Dakota. Let's start with the one who doesn't have a job, unless she does have a job. I guess she is, in her mind, she is the duly elected governor of Arizona. Carrie Lake. Because if we don't have election integrity, we can't solve the problem at the border. We can't solve the problem with our children's education. We can't restore law and order if we don't have election integrity. It's a, it's a top issue, and I think that Americans all over the country know that, even though the media won't cover it. Even though they want to call people, you know, election deniers. 
No idea exactly how Carrie Lake is going to hold both offices, but she is a busy woman. She will make it work. Carrie Lake lost in pretty embarrassing fashion to Katie Hobbs in Arizona. She has denied the fact that she has lost, and yet she is currently campaigning in Iowa. For who? Well, many expect she's doing some volunteer work because she wants on that Trump ticket. She is a Trump fanatic. She is a press hound. She does not care where she has to go on television. She will do it and she will say her message. And Carrie Lake will continue to talk like this. But the number one has got to be the outside the perimeter outsider. The one who has climbed her cross-fitting hands up the mountain of power to the point where she was on the right side of that speaker fight where McCarthy got to the top. Remember that. Amongst all the Matt Gateses and Lauren Boberts, Marjorie Taylor Greene knew when to tap out. And that's why Marjorie Taylor Greene is at the top of my knife fight list. President Trump is the people's choice. He's the one that we elected in 2016. We reelected him in 2020, and we will elect him in 2024. What we need in this country, Brian, is we need strong Republican governors like Ron DeSantis. We need strong Republican governors. We need Carrie Lake to win in Arizona. We need strong Republican governors to fight, stay in for eight years, and save their states, not to abandon their states and try to run for president or any other big position. I think. That she is more politically savvy than people give her credit for. I think that she is very much up Trump's alley. Because here's the thing with all three of them. They alienate the suburbs. So I don't think that this is, you know, in in the classical understanding of how this uh, election is going to play out. They are not smart picks. None of them are. Yes, they're women. Yes, you can hope that these women speak to the women in the suburbs. I don't think they do. I don't think they speak to the women in the suburbs. I don't think they speak to the men in the suburbs. I think they speak to Fox News or rather One America News Network or Newsmax, whatever. That crowd, they're into these three women. But of these three women, only one of them is on national television constantly. And only one of them continues to win. And if there's one thing that Donald Trump knows is that he likes a winner. I'm going to tell you a story. This is a wrestling story. All right. There uh, once was a very powerful and evil faction in professional wrestling called the New World Order. And the New World Order, at its height, was led by Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan, biggest star in professional wrestling. He had turned evil. Oh, my God. Something that you would have never thought would happen. And who was the one that turned him evil? Well, his number one lieutenant, Kevin Nash. Now, 
as things happen, you know, they wound up splitting off. The New World Order had two factions, one black and white, the other red and black. And in the storyline, there seemed to be this build to one big inevitable conclusion. Who would take once and final control of the New World Order? Now, of course, in this time, the New World Order was so popular that there was a big groundswelling of support against for, for the red and black New World Order. The black and white was still the evil ones, but the red and black, they were the good guys. And Kevin Nash was the leader of the red and black. And so on one night back in the 90s, it was set Hollywood Hulk Hogan versus Kevin Nash. And they met. This crowd was going bananas. Finally, all the bad blood would be worked out right there in the ring. Kevin Nash, the champion, facing Hulk Hogan, the challenger. Over 40,000 plus. This has been in a playoff game. Now this is what pro wrestling, what world championship wrestling is all about. They met in the center of the ring, squaring up. Kevin Nash, bigger than Hulk Hogan. When all of a sudden, Hulk Hogan put one index finger in Kevin Nash's chest. Let's see if that gets a reaction from Hollywood here. Kevin Nash He's a big dude He was in Magic Mike He has a great cameo on Detroiters Shout out to Kevin Nash He's a political guy So maybe he hears this Kevin Nash went flying backwards Ass on the canvas Hulk Hogan Hooked the leg One, two, three There was no match No, 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 no. The New World Order had done it again. They had fooled everybody into thinking that there was going to be a fight only for these two that had such great success together to join into one team. Now, let me tell you something else. Back when I was in Georgia to cover the Republican primary, the one where Trump tried to kill Kemp and couldn't, I was at one of my favorite bars, the Red Phone Booth in downtown Atlanta. I was talking to this guy, and this guy used to be a Florida lobbyist. And this old Florida lobbyist Tell me all sorts of fun Florida stories and everything. I'm talking about DeSantis, because he knows DeSantis from back when DeSantis was in the state house. He's like, well, you know, DeSantis, Ron DeSantis, he's a real smart guy. He's a numbers guy. He really, really gets into the the, the weeds on stuff. And I'm like, oh, well, what do you think about him and Trump? 
And he tells me this. Leans over the bar conspiratorially. And he says, whatever you hear, they're tight. They don't want to fight. All of this is just noise. Now, back then, there was a question of whether or not Donald Trump was going to run. And so the insinuation at that time would be that Donald Trump wouldn't. Ron DeSantis would. He'd have Trump's backing. Obviously, that's not the case. Donald Trump has announced to run, and Ron DeSantis looks like he might. But let's go back to that night where Hulk Hogan and Kevin Nash were standing right across the ring from each other. And let's put ourselves into the crowd. We very much believed that they were going to fight at that time. It is only in hindsight that we knew that they weren't. So what if, after all this buildup, After all the meatball Ron shenanigans with Trump on truth and all the buildup of Ron DeSantis writing a book, that at the end, there's a finger poke in the chest from Donald Trump. Ron DeSantis goes on his back. One, two, three, Trump's the nominee. But DeSantis is the vice president. Let's remember this about Donald Trump's 2024 candidacy. That's it. He's a lame duck immediately. And if he is a lame duck immediately, A, it means that he wants a very active vice president. He doesn't want them to be kept in the basement and shoveled full of manure. That role will be worth a little bit more than a warm bucket of piss. Because that person, the person that Donald Trump chooses, is immediately, immediately the likely Republican nominee in 2028. So if Ron DeSantis wants to be on that glide path to essentially, essentially 12 years of power then there are worse ways to do it than taking a dive right now. Politics, politics, politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young, for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. Our show is edited by the great and powerful Brett Stewart. If you want to send me an email, you can do it. Theyoungamerican at gmail.com. On Twitter, you can support the show at px3tweets or me at Justin R. Young. On Twitch, I am live, px3live.com. Our newsletter is px3newsletter.com. Our podcast is px3podcast.com. Share it with your friends, family, and clergy. If you'd like to support us with a one-time donation, you can do so. PayPal.me slash payjury. Venmo is Justin-Young-20, and our cash app is PX3Cash. You can send me anything you'd like in the mail. P.O. Box 153184, Austin, Texas, 78715. Again, that is Post Office Box 15318. Four, Austin, Texas, 78715. 
The only place to get our bonus content is TakePoliticsSeriously.com. A $1 a week pledge gets you an ad-free feed. Our $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week, covering all the news that we miss on our free podcasting schedule. And... Our $10 tier, get your name read on the show like these fine folks in the Titanic. $10 tier. Dustin, Jason, Andre, C. Garcia, El Basso, John, Matt, Craig Potts, MC Dradio, Unsafe DB Level, Katie, Amanda, Ye Old Pinball Shop, DP4 Bongo, Kneemeister, Catherine, Todd, person familiar with the matter, and Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Edison, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA select, start. Dr. G, Neil, Charles, Darren, 100 Mile Runner, Idris Arslandian, Blue Front and the Lenina, DL, Stephen, Chad, Nomadic Terran, Molly's Dashing Debut, Miranda Janelle, Adam, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul is awesome. Brad Richard, just another pilot, middle aged Mike who loves Frank got abducted, Utah Jimmy Montana, The Gen, A L D L D L D, really? Chopper, Andrew, Joshua, you want your name read like them? Only one place to do it. Take politics seriously.com. And that wraps it up for us. Thank you. Thank you to everybody uh, for uh, listening to the show, for supporting the show. You know, look, you guys know that I love election stuff. So any kind of chopping up election stuff, I'm going to take over talking about congressional minutia. And to be totally honest, there's not a lot, man. Look, look at the headlines. There's just not a lot there. So uh, thank you for indulging me with some way too early Trump vice presidential speculation. It'll be really funny when, if it actually happens, it's nobody that I mentioned, but I think we had a good time. Hopefully you had a good time. Hopefully you have a good weekend. Starting to warm up here in America. Hachi machi bout time. Hoo-wee. Till next time, this is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying, some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more talk about politics. But this, this is the only show that dares discuss. three. you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.